Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. all on my own. I was playing around with the settings and we get to do a little fade in or fade out rather. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to today's podcast edition of the Miller Frost Show. I am your host and I am still America's most beloved self-loathing homosexual, Miller Frost. And you can reach me now at my new email, Miller at MillerFrostOnline.com. I am here as always with white boy Malcolm X. It's a holiday weekend, so it's a Labor Day, but we're still here. We're still going to have fun, I hope. Oh, I've got plenty of stories here, and we are ready to go. No, no, I'm not going to talk about uh, Nancy Pelosi and her. Can you imagine being the poor hairdresser who's got to deal with her her scarecrow hair? I mean, what poor soul, you know, what version of hell do you have to be in to make that hair look good? So, you know, she's a complete fraud, and I think enough has been said about that. That is the ruling class for you, so I am not going to discuss her much at all. Oh, oh, White Boy Malcolm X, I have, I have a quick question for you. So are you done with, um, what's his name, the dad bod show? You, you are, is that why you've been so down? I, I had something for you because on Netflix, guess what's back? Magic Mike is back. So you have something new to watch. So quick question for you, though, with F, Mary and Kill, right? Even though, yes, even though it's explicit, we're not going to go there. Who would you bang? Who would you marry? And who would you kill? <laughs> kill Matthew McConaughey, obviously. You would bang Alex Pettifer. That's interesting. That That's an interesting choice. And who would you marry? Matt Bomer. The gay, the gay one. <laughs> well, yes. What about the other two? Um, uh, Channing Tatum and Joe, whatever the hell his last name is. What would you <laughs> send them away? Okay, well, you have fun with that. So one of the things that we talked about last week was the Apple News Feed, and I really enjoy it. It's one of those things where you can kind of curate the news, as they say, to, you know, have things that are of interest to you. And it can all, you can also tease out those, those news feeds where there is no value provided to you, like Golf Digest is something I don't particularly care to read. <laughs> And yes, it's, it's blocked as are, you know, all the kind of gossipy sites and, you know, all the, the people magazines and that type. So I've also been blocking out a lot of the news channels where they kind of are. I don't think they're serious, right? The, there have been a lot of news stories. It feels like the same story over and over and over again, where there's something about Trump not wanting to leave 
if you know he's not going to accept the results of the election if he loses he's going to barricade himself literally barricade himself inside the white house so every time i come across a news organization that has one of these stories i just think well they're not being very serious and they're not serious journalists so i block them and so last week we had a story about with al gore in it and if you don't know if you don't remember who al gore is al gore was the guy that got very very rich terrifying small children about climate change and global warming or whatever you want to call it so al gore last week there's a new story where he's trump's going to barricade himself inside the white house and you know so i guess everyone else wants to get in on it too so i have two stories not one but two one's from the washington examiner Bill Clinton, Trump will be stacking sandbags to stay in White House after defeat. Former President Bill Clinton and his wife, Hillary Rodham Clinton, are increasing their warnings that President Trump will not accept defeat in the fall election and will scheme to keep control of the White House. In a rare joint interview with American Urban Radio Washington Bureau Chief April Ryan, Hillary Clinton added to her demands that Democrat Joe Biden not concede on election night. And Bill Clinton suggested that Trump will reinforce the White House to keep officials from pulling him out on Inauguration Day. Do not concede under any circumstance because I believe the other side is going to cheat and sneak and try everything they possibly can, said Hillary Clinton in the hashtag COVID conversations interview broadcast via Instagram. After Ryan joked that Trump's orange knuckles won't let go of his Oval Office desk, Bill Clinton laughed and added, he probably won't even come to Biden's inauguration. He'll be stacking sandbags around the White House. These two frauds. I mean, seriously, these guys, these are the two clowns that rented out the Lincoln bedroom for campaign contributions. And they are also alleged to have helped themselves to a couple of keepsakes on their way out a couple years back. So who gives a crap about those two? But here's another one. I mean, because it can't just be the Clintons. Now here's nutty Bernie Sanders getting in on it as well. Bernie's, and this is a Politico story, Sanders, America must be prepared for when Trump refuses to leave office. Bernie Sanders fears President Donald Trump will refuse to leave office if he loses re-election and is calling on Congress and the media to take action to prepare for that scenario now, he said in an interview with Politico. This is not just idle speculation, said Sanders, pointing to comments the president made at the GOP convention. Trump was saying that the only way he could lose the election is if there was, let me get the exact quote, the only way they can take this election away from us is if it is a rigged election. Now he is making that statement at a time when virtually every national poll has him behind. The Vermont senator said Trump also signaled the possibility of refusing to concede after defeat in a July interview with Fox News's Chris Wallace, in which he was asked whether he would accept the election results. Trump said, I have to see. Look, you, I have to see. No, I'm not going to just say yes. I'm not going to say no, and I didn't last time either. Bernie Sanders is complaining about Trump not wanting or refusing to concede, and I literally just this last article from the Washington Examiner, where here's Hillary telling, you know, creepy Uncle Joe not to concede. These people are stuck in 2016, so I am, I am done with them. Let's get to the gay stuff. I know you're waiting on that, white boy Malcolm X. Or should I call you Mrs. Bomer? National LGBT Chamber of Commerce endorses Biden. And this is from The Hill. The National Gay and Lesbian Chamber of Commerce endorsed Democratic nominee Joe Biden for president on Monday 
in the pro-business organization's second presidential endorsement in its 20-year history. (laughs) Who knew there was even a pro-business Democratic group? NGLCC represents the LGBT business community. Jesus, could they have any more acronyms? And its board of directors voted unanimously to endorse Biden. The NGLCC is proud to endorse a champion for inclusion. We need to elect a president with a commitment to LGBTQ equality, ending racism and racial violence, promoting small businesses and entrepreneurship, and ensuring a safe and equitable society for every American. Joe Biden is that candidate, NGLCC co-founder and President Justin Nelson, a professional gay, said in a press release. Biden came out in support of marriage equality when he was vice president in 2012. The chamber also noted in its endorsement that Biden supports the Equality Act to expand LGBT rights. The organization endorsed Democratic nominee Hillary Clinton for president in 2016. And where did that get us? Donald Trump. This is an advocate article. I hope you're sitting down, Whiteboy Malcolm X. Yes, you are. Star Trek. Discovery casts first trans non-binary role in franchise's history. I wonder if this is a tweet, Captain Kirk. You know, we had that story a couple of weeks ago where William Shatner was on Twitter talking about cisgendered something or other. So I wonder if they did this just to get back at him. Today, the producers of Star Trek Discovery announced that next season they will be introducing the first non-binary and transgender characters in the history of the Star Trek franchise. Non-binary character Adira, played by Blue Del Barrio, and transgender character Gray, played by trans actor Ian Alexander, will be beamed up when Star Trek Discovery kicks off Season 3 on CBS All Access on October 15th. Alexander, and in parentheses, they, them, and he, him, is best known for their roles in... But wait, he gets two sets of pronouns? They slash them and he slash him. I guess he goes... It's confusing enough, folks. Look, if you're going to have your own special set of pronouns, you can't have two sets of them because someone's going to go, well, they, and then you're like, well, no, I, I'm going by he today. And they're like, oh, for Christ's sakes, just make up your mind already. Alexander, they, them, and he, him, because he has to be twice as special than the rest of us, is best known for their roles as Buck View on Netflix's The OA, where he made history for being the first out trans-Asian-American person to act on television. Star Trek Discovery has had several firsts. In 2017, Anthony Rapp and Wilson Cruz became, and if you don't know who Anthony Rapp is, he's the guy that destroyed House of Cards. So he was like a teenager, and Kevin Spacey decided he wanted to have sex with him. (laughs) At the time, and, and Anthony held it in for many decades, and then just had to let it out right before the last season of House of Cards. So Kevin Spacey got fired, and we got that dumpster fire that was the last season of House of Cards. In 2017, Anthony Rapp and Wilson Cruz became the first gay characters in same-sex marriage in the franchise's history. Additionally, Sonika Martin-Green made history as the first woman of color to lead a show in the history of the franchise. Star Trek has always made a mission of giving visibility to underrepresented communities because it believes in showing people that a future without division on the basis of race, gender, gender identity, or sexual orientation is entirely within our reach, Michelle Paradise, a co-showrunner and executive producer, said in a statement. 
We take pride in working closely with Blue Del Barrio, Ian Alexander, and Nick Adams at GLAAD to create the extraordinary characters of Adira and Gray and bring their stories to life with empathy, understanding, empowerment, and joy. So I can blame Nick Adams at GLAAD for trashing Star Trek. It's like, no, no, he's straight. Mm, he's white. Mm. They gotta go. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Uh-oh. This is going to upset Alex Morris, the alleged gay chicken hawk and mayor of lovely little town, Holyoke, Massachusetts, who lost. He lost. He lost in his race, but we'll get to that later. Pakistan bans Grinder, Tinder, and more in its war against immorality. Pakistan announced this week that apps Tinder, Grinder, Tagged, Scout, and Say Hi will officially be banned nationwide for not abiding by the country's moral code. What? Well, it doesn't say anything about Scruffed. I'm sorry. And if you don't know what Scruffed is, Scruffed is like, how would you describe it? The, the, the gay bear site? Gay bears and daddy site. Okay, that's what White Boy Macamac says. So if you're a gay bear and a daddy and you've got scruffed on your phone in Pakistan, apparently you're safe. LGBTQ plus is illegal in Pakistan. The sem- Well, maybe not too safe. The second largest Muslim majority country on the globe after Indonesia, as is extramarital relationships. The Pakistan Telecommunications Authority sent notices to all the apps management teams seeking their removal from Pakistan due to the, quote, negative effects of immoral, indecent content streaming, unquote. Well, I, I don't want to say about that. Can you imagine what's on Grinder in Pakistan? <laughs> That's got to be quite the, the hot mess. This is from Pink News. Queer Disney fans boycott Mulan remake after iconic bi character erased during bi visibility month. Who knew, White Boy Malcolm X, it was bi visibility month? I mean, you want to talk about adding insult to injury, pulling the characters, one thing, and then doing it during bi visibility month. I mean, what is an iconic bi character? No, stop saying Ryan Seacrest. <laughs> that is not funny. You're not supposed to say Ryan Seacrest. Not funny at all, sir. Disney has finally released its live-action remake of Mulan, and it's safe to say that queer fans are not impressed. Li Shang, widely considered a bisexual icon. No, no, not Ryan Seacrest, was cut from the live-action remake because of concerns that his relationship with Mulan represented an uncomfortable power dynamic, and his absence is sorely felt. What is an uncomfortable power dynamic? Either you give me sex or I'm going to go get it from some guy. <laughs> oh my goodness. In the original animated film, Li Shang falls in love with Milan after she enters the army disguised as a man. Though he was never explicitly confirmed as queer by Disney, he has long been popular with bi and other queer fans because of this. Li Shang's character was scrapped and replaced with two separate male characters in the remake, and with that, much of the original film's queer allure <laughs> went out the window. God. You know what a bisexual is? They're just hedging their bets. Y- yeah, a gay man with identity issues. <laughs> you know, folks, if you're very upset about Milan, let me give you a little piece of advice. Just go, just go watch Star Trek. That's all you have on there. <laughs> Uh-oh. 
J.K. Rowling ruined Harry Potter for one superfan, so she found a way to magic her old obsession into help for trans kids. A Harry Potter superfan is donating her collection of memorabilia to the transgender youth charity Mermaids after J.K. Rowling's views tainted her favorite franchise. Mika Daly-Smith, 29, began her... Isn't it amazing, White Boy Malcolm X, how many millennials who grew up on this stuff are still like Harry Potter, (laughs) rabid Harry Potter fans into their 30s? Not anymore, now that that transphobe J.K. Rowling ruined the party for everyone, but they they be in their Harry Potter pajamas living in their parents' basement until they were 40. Mika Daly-Smith, 29, began her Harry Potter collection at the age of 12 and has amassed hundreds of pounds worth of memorabilia, ranging from books and duvet covers to call sheets and film reels from the movies. Like many fans, the wizarding world she once loved changed forever when J.K. Rowling started speaking out about trans rights. Now as Mika distances herself from the author, like Harry Potter himself, whatever his name is, throwing her under the bus to save his own career, she's put her beloved collection up for sale on eBay, with all proceeds going towards transgender children. I hope they come with a trigger warning. Warning, you're about to buy a product written by a transphobe. So the important question for me, White Boy Malcolm X, is how much do you think you can get for a used Harry Potter duvet cover on eBay? I don't really care. So we've done with the gay stuff. Let's get to the race stuff. Because I reread White Fragility earlier this weekend. So I know I'm a like a super racist or something, whatever. We had... A story, I think it was a couple weeks ago. This is a Boston story, a Massachusetts story, by the way. We're going to get into, it's racist stuff, but it's kind of local racist stuff here. But we had this story about Governor Charlie Baker, and they were complaining, Gus, they were sending people into predominantly minority communities to kind of stop some of these parties. And so what do you think they did? They scream racist. They He's only going to these neighborhoods because he's a racist and they just want to you know, pick on the the Latino and black residents of Massachusetts. They got nothing better to do than to do that. So I guess they stopped doing that. What we know about the massive Dorchester super spreader party and Dorchester was one of those neighborhoods they were going into, but I guess they stopped a large two day party in Boston's Dorchester neighborhood drew several thousand people to Talbot Avenue last weekend. Many of the attendees reportedly weren't wearing masks or social distancing. The event and the official response to it drew sharp criticism from black community leaders given continued concerns about the coronavirus. Longtime resident Luis Elisa called it an absolute breakdown of law and order. Well, I'm glad they're getting upset about this. So normally when a bunch of minorities get together and they're, say, looting or rioting, nobody says a word. But if they go and they're cracking open the beer and having a, having a big you know neighborhood party, then, you know, You know, Katie barred the door. Everyone's going to get the vapors. The Boston Black COVID-19 Coalition. Can you imagine those meetings? Who can be the most severely angry? Held a press conference Thursday criticizing Governor Charlie Baker, Mayor Marty Walsh, and other politicians for the lack of response to the event. So yes, they complain if there is a response, and they complain if there isn't a response. They demanded action, including testing and tracing of those who attended, and steps to prevent a repeat over Labor Day weekend. By Saturday night, live videos on social media clearly showed thousands of people partying, said former state Senator Diane Wilkerson 
a member of this lovely group, the Boston Black COVID-19 Coalition. Though many had masks around their necks, shockingly few were wearing the masks. I waited all day Sunday for the news reports and then a press conference by Governor Baker, Mayor Walsh, and other elected officials on Monday. It never happened! Exclamation point. Now that we hear there's another party being planned for the weekend, we're sounding the alarm. You're probably sitting around waiting all day Sunday going, Oh, I can't wait for them to respond. Oh, I can't wait for them to respond. I'm going to call them double racists. Screw off. Uh-oh. So we had this story last week with the Seattle Seahawks coach, Pete Carroll, and his virtue signaling about you know Black Lives Matter and what have you. And so we can't let that go unanswered here in Boston. Wick, I, I don't know how to pronounce this guy's name. I'm not being sarcastic. YWC is this guy. Can you have the parents naming him Wick or whatever? Grousebeck. That's even worse. Wick Grousebeck. Celtics. Don't stand second to anybody when it comes to civil rights. So we have a bunch of white sports people, you know, self-flagellating over over racism. And they have to, like, out-virtue signal each other. They don't stand second to anybody. Celtics majority owner Wick Grousebeck. I'm sorry, I can't help laughing at that name. It's silly. Is committed to helping his... That's why he's so pissed off at the world. Let's start that again. Celtics majority owner Wick Grousebeck is committed to helping his team fight for social justice. In an interview with 98.5 The Sports, Hubs, Feldzer, and Mats on Monday, Grousebeck shared that the NBA is more united as a league after the league paused play for three days in the aftermath of Jacob Blake being shot by police. We are unified as a league, and last week, actually, the net result was more unity as a league of thinking that things are not right and will be willing to take a strong stand against the things that are wrong, Grousebeck said. Grousebeck said that he didn't poll Celtics players on if they wanted to continue the season or not, but he conceded that the players were right to at least pause the season to figure something out. When the players said we can't continue without thinking about it, we as governors and team personnel got together with them and said, you know what, we've thought about it. (laughs) So they have to think about it a lot, apparently. And you're right, Grousebeck said. Why don't we use the platform and why don't we recommit to doing things and making things better? Do you think any of them actually sat around, quote unquote, thinking about it? No. Continuing on, I bet there was too many words about it, but it could have gone either way. We're not going to try to compel players to play if they don't feel like they can play. That's their choice. And I'll tell you, I swear to God, none of them were sitting around just thinking about it. They're probably sitting around going, I wonder if we can stick down to that party in Dorchester and have a grand old time. So, you know, I, I wonder how, White Boy Malcolm X, how much do you think people can get away with as long as they say that they were, you know, if you, people don't want to show up for work? Well, I was, I was at home and I was thinking about social justice and racism. Oh, okay. That's, that's fine. You can miss work for that. Don't worry about it. Can I get paid like the Celtics players do? Uh, sure. Because they don't want to be called a racist. Uh-oh. Thousands demand justice for Breonna Taylor outside Kentucky Derby. And this is a Breitbart news story. An airplane circled above Churchill Downs on Saturday, flying a banner behind it. Arrest the cops who killed Breonna Taylor, it said. The 146th Kentucky Derby became a surreal distillation of the crises facing the country in 2020. In the hometown of Taylor, a 26-year-old Capital B Black emergency medical technician shot dead in her home in March when police burst in to serve a search warrant in the middle of the night. Hmm, I wonder if they left anything out of that story. Inside the racetrack, 
The stands were mostly empty and wagering windows closed as fans were banned because of the coronavirus pandemic. Outside, thousands of protesters leaned into the gates, chanting Taylor's name. Armored police vehicles in the parking lot replaced the normal throngs of derby-goers in seersucker and showy hats. As the horses rounded the track, the protesters shouted and stomped, trying to make enough noise so that no one inside could ignore them. The protests were peaceful. (laughs) They just had to put that in there. The demonstrators marched two miles from a city park and circled the track. They chanted, No justice, no derby, and carried signs imploring people to say Taylor's name. Inside the gate, police stood guard in riot gear with clubs, some on horses, and some with armored military vehicles. How dumb do you have to be (laughs) to go protest outside of a mostly empty horse track? Seriously, do you think the, the horses care? They're probably racist horses. You know, we have the story, I don't know, what was that, two, three weeks ago, White Boy Malcolm X? It was about how companies, to show how PC they are, they're not just offering sick leave, they are offering menstrual leave. So if you are, if it's that time of the month, if your Aunt Flo's visiting, you get extra time off, extra pay time off, just to go hang out with Aunt Flo. So this is a New York Post article. Unusual menstrual cycles reported after tear gas deployment at Seattle protests. Stories of odd menstrual cycles are emerging out of Seattle among residents exposed to police-deployed tear gas during Black Lives Matter protests. More than a dozen protesters, reporters, and even residents living near the demonstrations have reported weird periods after their exposure, KUOW, the local NPR station, reported. One woman, Jessie Murray, and that's Jessie with an I, 32, told the outlet that she had three periods. Good God. In a 28-day window after the gas wafted into her apartment window when it was deployed nearby her home. I bet she was a joy to live with. And a transgender man, Matthew, told KUOW he had his first period in three years after getting gassed at multiple protests he attended. Medical experts raised, yes, white boy Malcolm X, that is correct. Tear gassed is sexist, racist, and transphobic. Medical experts raised red flags to the station, warning since the chemicals commonly used by police departments in the United States, known as CS gas, were originally designed for war, there has not been enough studies to show its impact on women. I guess the question I have is, is this an eligible excuse for menstrual, paid menstrual leave? Well, I mean, Jesse had three periods in 28 days. I mean, theoretically, she could get like almost the whole month paid on her menstrual leave. Or do you, do you only get one a month? Okay, moving on. Antifa commander with flamethrower burst into tears during arrest, cops say. An Antifa leader known as Commander Red, and yes, he is a ginger, was busted carrying a flamethrower to a Wisconsin Black Lives Matter rally and dropped into the fetal position and began crying when stopped by comps officials say. I guess I guess he was a peaceful protester, but the flamethrower, it made him a mostly peaceful protester. And if you've seen a picture of this guy, his name is Matthew Bonta. He looks like a wussy pajama boy. Commander Red with his flamethrower. He's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just bust out that flamethrower today and just go down there and march. And then they come up to him. He's like, oh, don't arrest me. Matthew Banta, 23, of course, is known to be a violent Antifa member who incites violence and otherwise 
relatively peaceful protest, a criminal complaint in his Green Bay arrest record insisted, according to WBAY. He was carrying stickers and a flag for the controversial group. And yes, they have stickers for Antifa, the name of which is short for anti-fascist, along with military-grade five-minute smoke grenades, fireworks rockets, and a flamethrower, according to the Green Bay Press-Gazette. Banta was stopped after being spotted with a whole bunch of white people with stickers. There are never any black people at these Black Lives Matter protests. Where, where the hell are they? It's all a bunch of angry white people, like Commander Red. Banta was stopped after being spotted with a whole bunch of angry white people with sticks, baseball bats, and helmets for their mostly peaceful protest, heading towards a BLM event in Green Bay with no actual bees in there, police said in the criminal complaint. The others fled when a cop blocked them with his squad car, but Banta was stopped and dropped into the fetal position and began crying, the police report said. He complained that the officer got on top of him, which police denied, WBAY said. It's worrisome when people associated with Antifa come here to Green Bay from out of town for the purposes of committing violent acts, Green Bay Police Chief Andrew Smith told the station. That man's a fool. Doesn't he know these peaceful <laughs> protesters? Commander Red is a peaceful protester. He's just mostly peaceful because he's got a flamethrower. But he didn't use it. He just cried like a little bitch. New York Post. Wealthy New York City woman busted in BLM rampage. And I'm going to rewrite that headline. Wealthy, shrill, white New York City woman busted in BLM rampage. Because I don't know where the black people are, but they are not on, in BLM rampages. That's rich. One of the Black Lives Matter protesters now facing felony rioting and misdemeanor graffiti charges after a window-smashing free-for-all in Manhattan is a wealthy Upper East Signer whose mother is an architect and whose father is a child psychiatrist. <laughs> yeah, that explains why she's so screwed up. Clara Kraber, 20, is one of eight people arrested Friday night after a rolling three-hour rampage that police say at least $100,000 in damage from Foley Square up to 24th Street. Every city, every town burned the precinct to the ground. The group chanted as it... I love their rhymes. The group chanted as it moved up Lafayette Street while busting the plate glass facades of Banks, Starbucks, and Dwayne Reeds. The protest was organized by groups calling themselves New African Black Panther Party and the Revolutionary Abolitionist Movement. Question, white boy Malcolm X, you're fake black. How many black people are actually in the new African Black Panther Party, or is it all a bunch of spoiled rich white kids shrieking away? As a member, here, this, I'm not going to read the whole article, but listen to this. <laughs> this, is sad. this is how pathetic the shrill, dopey chick is. As a member of the Rice Young Democrats in Rice's, Rice University in Houston, she helped work on Beto O'Rourke's. Talk about pajama boys like Commander Red, Beto O'Rourke. Beto O'Rourke's 2018 failed bid to unseat Senator Ted Cruz. She donated $121 to the Rice Young Democrats PAC. What, she, she pull all the change out of her purse? $121? Does Beto make you feel this way too? Then go vote, she captioned a Facebook photo showing her looking up earnestly at the candidate. <laughs> oh my god, no wonder she's angry. She's a Beto groupie. She likes the beta males. She and Commander Red can date. Oh, see, a follow-up story, White Boy Malcolm X. This is actually proof that black-on-black -black crime does matter. But there's a twist. Two men charged with hate crimes in attack on L.A. trans women. That's right, folks. Black-on-black -black crime 
doesn't really matter. Black lives don't really matter all the time, do they? Except if it's a black transgender. The Los Angeles County District Attorney's Office has filed charges against two men in connection with an assault on three transgender women August 17. Jocelyn Flawless, Eden the Doll, and Jasleen Whiterose were attacked on Hollywood Boulevard in Los Angeles while waiting for an Uber early that day. A man had stolen Eden's phone, and the three women pursued him. He then threatened Flawless with a crowbar, demanded that she remove her shoes and bracelet, made anti-transgender remarks, and said he was going to kill her, the women told the advocate. The man also hit White Rose over the head with a glass bottle, and her bag was stolen as well, the women said. A different man... This this whole incident is a massive dumpster fire between the stolen phone and the purse and give me your bracelet and your shoes and and the anti-transgender this must have been really entertaining to watch the man also hit white rose over the head with a glass bottle and her bag was stolen as well the women said a different man who had obtained eden's phone demanded her bag in exchange for it all the while a crowd gathered and insulted the women now i can understand the gathering the insulting not so much but i would want to watch this thing too the DA's office announced Tuesday that Carlton Alexander Calloway, 29, of Compton, had been charged with one felony count each of grand theft from a person of another, second-degree robbery, criminal threats, attempted second-degree robbery, <laughs> assault with means, Jesus, what didn't he do? Assault by means of force likely to produce great bodily injury and battery with serious bodily injury. Davion Anthony Williams, 22, of Compton, faces one felony count each of grand theft and assault with a deadly weapon, a <laughs> White Rose had said a scooter was thrown at her. So threatening with a crowbar and hitting him over her head with a glass bottle isn't enough. They picked up one of those silly little millennial tools, the rideshare scooter, and threw it at her. Uh-oh, the charges include a hate crime enhancement. So there you go. That's I'm done with that. Jesus Christmas. Oh, I, I talked about this earlier. So this is an SF Gate story. After the Massachusetts Senate race, it will be even tougher for Democrats to tamp down on primary challenges from the left. And I'm really not going to read this story because I really don't care. <laughs> Except if it happens. I mean, they're going nuts here in Massachusetts. I, you know, the Democrats are bad enough, but when you get the when you get the really nutty ones, like trying to like primary out the halfway nutty ones, it's going to make life living here very interesting. So we already talked about Alex Moores, and Alex is, if you don't remember, is the alleged gay chicken hawk who liked to go on Grinder or what have you to you know hook up with college boys, although he claims that was all a setup by a bunch of bitchy, nasty college queens and the state Democrat party to make him look like he was a chicken hawk. And he's also the mayor of lovely little town, Holyoke, Massachusetts. So he's gone, and <laughs> how dumb do you have to be? To be a Kennedy and lose a Massachusetts. But yes, Ginger Kennedy lost. I love this quote from him. This, this quote's from Boston.com. Obviously, these were not the results we were hoping for. You think? Kennedy said after becoming the first member of his storied political family to lose a race in Congress in Massachusetts. What a, I told you he's a dope. Okay, this story might make you throw, throw up in your mouth a little bit. But... Inside wheelchair-bound Lothario, Stephen Hawking's improbable, steamy love life. He may have been bound to a wheelchair and unable to speak, but Stephen Hawking had an incredibly complicated and complex love life 
that involved affairs and allegations of cheating and abuse. A new book by Hawking's old friend Leonard, whatever his last name is that I can't pronounce, revealed details of Hawking's marriages. No, seriously, it's M-L-O-D-I-N-O-W. Mladenoy. Mladenoy. I don't know how to pronounce that, but we'll try it. Let's try this again. A new book by Hawking's old friend Leonard Mladenoy reveals details of Hawking's marriages and affairs and how the physicist who communicated by a computer demanded to be the center of attention, eclipsing most everyone in his life. Hawking was first married to Jane Wilde in the 1960s when the couple were both in their early 20s and when he was first exhibiting signs of ALS, but their sex life was wanting. Hawking's condition meant that Stephen had always been a completely passive sex partner as well as a fragile one, Mladenoy wrote in his new book, Stephen Hawking, A Memoir of Friendship and Physics, and apparently sex. Over time, his fragility caused Jane to worry that sexual activity might kill him. Making love to him became a frightening and empty experience. Even the thought of sex with him felt unnatural, and her desire for him faded. He had the needs of an infant and the body of a Holocaust victim, she said. Damn! Jane would become more of a caretaker over the next three decades, eventually feed him, dress him, bathe him, and sit with him through his many hospital visits and near-death experiences. The two remained married until 1985 when, after a tracheotomy, Hawking fell for his nurse, Elaine Mason, a fiery redhead, who liked a skateboard and definitely knew how to flirt. Another evil ginger. Maybe one reason they bonded was that she had the flamboyance he would have exhibited if he had the use of his body, Mladenoy writes. For her part, Elaine wasn't put off by Stephen's physical condition, just the opposite. She was drawn to it. At the time of their affair, both Hawking and Mason were still married, he to Jane and she to David, an engineer and self-confessed Hawking superfan who helped develop Hawking's speech synthesizer. So the guy who helped Stephen Hawking speak through a synthesizer, his wife was doing Stephen. At the same time, Jane was conducting her own affair with Jonathan Hellier Jones, the choir master at her local church in Cambridge. My God, that is a whole lot of sex. So Hawking's having sex with his, his nurse, and then the wife is having sex with the choir master. Is anyone doing the pool boy, or is that just Becky Falwell doing that? Enough of that. And this is from Study Finds. Report uncovers dramatic spike in children <laughs> abusing parents during lockdown. And it's not adult children beating up their old elderly parents. It's The study is from 10 to 19 years old. The coronavirus lockdowns around the world have sparked fears that many people may be living in quarantine with violent partners or spouses. A new study reveals a different disturbing pattern growing in isolation. Young children abusing their parents. Researchers from the University of Oxford and Manchester find this hidden problem is intensifying during the pandemic, with the number of violent episodes skyrocketing by 70%. The study of more than 100 families and 47 social workers reveals many moms and dads believe the months-long quarantine is making already volatile homes even more unstable. Parents say being confined at home is creating a cabin fever effect. For some, this pressure cooker environment leads to violent outbursts by 10 to 19 year olds. Researchers say social workers are reporting a 69% uptick in referrals for families suffering child or adolescent to parent violence, which is also known as C slash APV. More than 60% of the social workers believe the severity of these violent incidences are increasing too. Everything is amplified. 
There's no escape, and it's not just the person being hurt who's affected. It's everyone that sees and hears it. The other children are traumatized by seeing us hurt when parents tells the research team in a university release. I got one thing to say. Not in my day would that ever be taught. White Boy Malcolm X, I, I think your parents spoil you a bit too much, but would they ever let you punch them or something when you were a child? Exactly, exactly. If I had even looked at my mother or father the wrong way, get my ass spanked. Jeez, this is what they get. They they let these kids run amok, and <laughs> now you've got <laughs> some 10-year-old gangster in the house. I want my frosted flakes, or I'm beating the hell out of you, Mom. Florida porn actor running for office in America's second gayest city. I The only question I have on this article before I read it is, what is the first gayest city? Well, yeah, San Francisco. Yeah, I know. We talked about this. What was the the the, the sports guy was talking about some the, the faggiest city or something like that? And I can say that because I am America's most self-helping homosexual, so I can use the the f word, so to speak. A Florida porn star is switching gears and running for a local office. Juan Melicio, who is openly gay as opposed to obviously gay, which is in that article I read last week with that white pajama boy with his Latinx husband and his black child who read White Fragility, but he described himself as like obviously gay or something. So this guy's just openly gay. Filed paperwork Monday for a shot at a commission seat in Wilton Manors in the upcoming November election, the Sun Sentinel reported. I've never even heard of Wilton Manors, but it's apparently the second gayest city in America. I'm from Puerto Rico, and I'm a very passionate person, Belicio told the newspaper. When something is right, I just go for it. I bet you do. Malicio, whose stage name is Antonio Biagi, has appeared, that is a really crappy porn name, has appeared in a number of porn shoots, including Trouser Trout and Workloads 2. The 41-year-old has also owned a spa, yeah, I bet, and barber shop in Wilton Manors. Was it a spa and barber shop? So you got your hair cut and then you got your handy in the in the spa. Anyway, picking back up, the 41-year-old has also owned a spa and barbershop in Wilton Manors before selling the businesses in 2019, the report said. Wilton Manors, which is in South Florida, is known as the second gayest city in America, according to the city's website, as a result of its high LGBT population, including a Puerto Rican porn star. Speaking of which, erect Willie to appear on TV for the first time tonight on Channel 4 documentary Me and My Penis... <laughs> We missed this. You were too busy wrapping up, you know, dad bod over there to watch this. This is from the U.S. Sun. So this obviously was in Britain. An erect Willie will appear on TV for the first time tonight, breaking one of the final broadcasting taboos. Edgy Channel 4 documentary, Me and My Penis, <laughs> contains photos and footage of eight stiffies. Fellows are seen posing for naked portraits as they discuss a series of male issues. And in one scene, a well-endowed subject stands to attention in explicit close-up shots. A TV insider said this shatters one of the final no-go areas on terrestrial TV because regulations forbid an erect penis being shown in a sexual context. But as these are aroused private parts are shown in an intrinsically artistic context, filming them doesn't break any rules. The men in the documentary, photographed by activist artist Ajamu, and that's A-J-A-M-U, no last name, discussed everything as one of those types, like Madonna discussed everything from abuse and infertility to post-traumatic stress disorder and relationships while peeling off. And we missed it. Uh-oh, coronavirus news. Coronavirus can cause men's testicles to swell up and leave them infertile. 
coronavirus can cause, and coronavirus, folks, if you don't know, is spread by Donald Trump and right-wing Republicans who won't wear their masks. So if your testicles swell up, blame Donald Trump. Coronavirus can cause men's testicles to swell up and leave them infertile, experts have claimed. Medics in the U.S. are warning that COVID-19 could cause the bizarre side effect after treating a previously healthy 37-year-old man. The doctors from San Antonio Uniformed Services Health Education Consortium in Texas said the patient went to A&E with swelling and discomfort in his scrotum. He had been suffering with some of the main coronavirus symptoms such as dry cough, fatigue, and fever for 10 days before he went to hospital. His testicular pain had developed around three days earlier, he told doctors. The patient had tested positive for COVID-19 at an outpatient clinic five days before his first symptoms emerged. There have been other similar reports of testicular pain in COVID-19 patients, but no official research into the link as yet. In April, researchers claimed that testicles could harbor coronavirus and allow the deadly virus to persist longer in men. <laughs> I'd like to see Dr. Fauci discussing this. And we better tell Becky Falwell. <laughs> Honey, don't do it. You might get the coronavirus. This is an article from Inc. And this is one of those... I wish this were true articles in the sense of the journalist wishing this were true. People say they hate this common habit, but it's actually a sign of very high emotional intelligence. Okay, let's dig in. I'm going to ask you to consider your reaction to a very common verbal habit that many other people have and that they get pilloried for unfairly. People say they lack confidence. They say they're weak or unsure of themselves. They say they're opening the door to not being taken seriously. But people who react like this are wrong. At the very least, they're missing the, a tremendous opportunity because of their own insecurities. So it's your fault. The speaking habit I'm talking about here is what's known as high rising terminal. It has other names too, like uptalk, rising inflection, or high rising intonation. It's also called valley girl talk from the 1980s. Practically, it's the phenomenon that results in people speaking declarative sentences with a rising pitch that is more commonly applied to asking a question. See, it sounds just like that. Sometimes they wind up dividing declarative sentences into shorter phrases, each with its own rising pitch. Now, there are some studies that suggest women are more likely to speak with this kind of uptalk in their voices, although most of those analyses are at least a few years old and done by raging sexists. Other studies suggest it's more common in younger people, otherwise known as dopey millennials. My siblings and I used to call it speaking Canadian, and it's a bit of a common inflection in Canada. But as I've grown older and more experienced, and as I've gotten to know colleagues who have this tendency in their voices, but who are neither insecure nor lacking confidence, nor less competent than their peers, I've realized something important. Rather than suggesting a lack of confidence, people who naturally speak in this style may be extraordinarily tuned in with their audiences. Doing so, Focusing on the effects of your words actually have on people and what they understand as opposed to what you intend to say are in turn signs of very high emotional intelligence. Seriously, does anyone actually like believe this and stuff? It's just, it's literally, it is millennial baby talk that these dopey, it is a lot of dopey chicks and everything's like a sentence and I'm not quite sure if they're asking me or telling me, but I guess it, they're very... Very high emotional intelligence, my ass. Uh-oh, speaking of sexism, don't call me an actress, says Kate Blanchett. Hollywood star Kate Blanchett said Wednesday that she would rather be called an actor than an actress. 
The Australian, who was heading the jury at the Venice Film Festival, gave her backing to Berlin Festival's controversial decision last week to do away with gender prizes and only give a Best Actor award. I wonder if she'll give back any of her Best Actresses award. Probably not. I have also referred to myself as an actor, Blanchett said, after being asked about the move towards gender-neutral prizes hours before the 10-day COVID-restricted Venice Jamboree began. I am of the generation where the word actress was used almost always in a pejorative sense, so I claim the other space, she told AFP. As if to prove a point, she asked reporters if there was a female equivalent of the Italian word maestro, only to be told there wasn't. Oh, she's so clever, that one. Blanchett is taking the helm at Venice, once slammed by feminists for the toxic masculinity of its selection, in a year when the number of women directors vying for the top prize has quadrupled to eight. So yes, they are apparently counting vaginas at the Venice Film Festival, and she only wants to be called an actor. This is a New York Times story, and we talked about, I think it was on our first podcast back, first or second, about how Rhode Island, which used to be a mafia-controlled state, is now a bunch of tattletales because they got some 311 number you can call to snitch your neighbors out. So it continues. College students told to report COVID parties ask to snitch or not to snitch. You know they're going to snitch. It looked to be a typical college party. A small group of students crammed in a kitchenette, cheering on as a shirtless guy arm-wrestled a laughing young woman. No one wore masks. The scene was posted on Snapchat by one of the partygoers, a first-year student at Cornell University, along with a selfie with a mocking caption. The people who slide up saying, you're not social distancing, are the ones that wouldn't have been invited anyway. <laughs> the response was swift and severe. Within days, an online petition was created demanding that the students' admission to Cornell be revoked, and in the weeks since, the petition has collected more than 3,500 signatures. Cornell University is attempting to take the biggest feat of allowing all students back on campus. This cannot be done without immense safety precautions taken and the compliance of every student, a group calling itself the Concerned Student Coalition, wrote in a petition. We need to hold these students accountable for their actions. Nobody likes snitching. It's not comfortable, said Melissa Montejo, a sophomore at Cornell, who signed the petition. I am really not one to be going around and tell people what to do. She's gonna. She's a future Karen, trust me. But for me, this is this was troubling. Three months of being careful and not engaging in problematic behavior is worth saving a life. They're just pissed off they didn't get invited to the party. I guarantee you the concerned student coalition is a bunch of loser kids, and they're like, "Well, screw you! I'm not gonna invite you to the party. We're gonna have you thrown out of school." Uh oh. We better warn Al Gore because apparently. You know, because Al Gore, as I said earlier in, in, in today's podcast, Al Gore got mega rich, terrifying young children on global warming, climate change, whatever you want to call it. But listen to this. Pope Francis warns creation is groaning in new eco message. Pope Francis announced a jubilee for the Earth Tuesday to commemorate the 50th anniversary of Earth Day, calling on all to combat the climate emergency. In his message for the World Day of Prayer for the Care of Creation, the pontiff has called for repentance, <laughs> insisting we have broken the bonds of our relationship with the Creator, with our fellow human beings, and with the rest of creation. Our constant demand for growth and an endless cycle of production and consumption are exhausting the natural world, the Pope laments. Forests are leached, topsoil erodes, fields fail, deserts advanced, seas acidify, and storms intensify. Creation is groaning, he concludes. 
The solution to these problems is learning to listen to the land, he states, and to occupy our correct place in the web of life. So our, we have an eco-warrior pope who probably needs the money to, because his, uh, his clergy diddle, diddle the children a bit too much. Oh, we were just talking, what is it, last week? I mean, it was in an article about Michelle Obama, you know, poor princess on, on Martha's Vineyard, complaining about how white people ignore her and treat her like a ghost, you know, but they had made mention of her Netflix deal. But listen to this one, White Boy Malcolm X. This is from page six. Insiders scoff at Prince Harry and Meghan Markle's reported $150 million Netflix check. While some... Can you... Can you see what these two dopes come up with for Netflix? I mean, it's so bad it's going to make me want to watch, you know, dad body because there's going to be nothing else but Prince Harry and Meghan Markle productions. I'll be like, okay, I guess I got nothing else to do. I'll just watch, you know, dad bod there. Well, some reports have said, or, um, or Magic Mike. Well, some reports have said Prince Harry and Meghan Markle's production deal signed this week. I don't even want to read that story. I'm, no, I'm not I'm going to entertain it. We're going to end with this story. One man's plea to his city council, rename boneless chicken wings. The city council meeting Monday in Lincoln, Nebraska, started like many others. A library board appointment, applications to sell liquor, questions to the parks department about trenching and boring. Almost two hours into the meeting, though, a man walked to the lectern and elevated a barroom debate alongside others like, is a burrito a sandwich? And what isn't a ravioli to a matter of civic importance? Recorded on the city council's live stream, the man declared a grievance that was so petty that it almost could not help but find an audience of hundreds of thousands of people who have watched it in the days since. Lincoln has the opportunity to be a social leader in this country, the man, Ander Christensen, of course 27, said. He's probably still living in his parents' basement. We have been casually ignoring a problem that has gotten so out of control that our children are throwing around names and words without even understanding their true meaning, treating things as though they're normal. And what he's not talking about, folks, is, for example, when people are called racist just because they don't fully embrace Black Lives Matter, when he talks about throwing around names and words without even understanding their true meaning, or, or calling J.K. Rowling a, a transphobic individual because she thinks women are those that menstruate. So he's not talking about that. And this is a quote from him. I go into nice family restaurants and I see people throwing this name around and pretending as though everything is just fine, he said. I'm talking about boneless chicken wings. I propose that we as a city remove the... Here laughter interrupted. Christensen had to please, excuse me. You see this earnest, dopey millennial at this place and, you know, complaining about boneless chicken wings. He presented his proposal that we as a city remove the name boneless wings from our menus and from our hearts. No one interrupted now. He started to rattle off his reasons, which were in line with the complaints of many, many commentators online. And I have absolutely no doubt that happens. Probably on Twitter. Nothing about boneless chicken wings actually comes from the wing of a chicken, he said. We would be disgusted if a butcher was mislabeling their cuts of meats. But then we go around pretending as though the breast of a chicken is its wing. He went further. Boneless chicken wings are just chicken tenders, which are already boneless. I don't go to order boneless tacos. <laughs> I don't go to order boneless club sandwiches, he said. It's just what's expected. And he said that mislabeling the chicken product was a full-blown societal woe. Our children are raised being afraid of having bones attached to their meat, he said. That's where meat comes from. It grows on bones. We need to teach them that the wing of a chicken is from chicken, and it's delicious. Okay. I, 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 
that's it, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Thank you for joining us on a um, a holiday, special Labor Day holiday edition of the Miller Frost Show. White Boy Malcolm X and I will sign off, but have a great rest of your weekend. Enjoy the holiday tomorrow, and we will see you here again next week. <laughs>